Welcome to the Parenting in the Digital Age podcast. Many parents are concerned that their child might be falling behind. Others are just looking for ways to help their children thrive, not just in the classroom, but socially and well into their future careers. Each episode, we explore the challenges facing parents in the modern world, from behavior, education, and nutrition, to device and gaming addiction. We interview a range of leaders in the area of childhood development to help you successfully navigate parenting in the digital age. Here is your host, Jamie Buttigieg. Welcome to Parenting in the Digital Age, the podcast where we delve into the unique challenges and opportunities of raising children in today's fast-paced, tech-driven world. Each episode features conversations with experts and thought leaders who provide actionable insights and practical guidance for navigating life as modern parents. Now today we have an absolutely extraordinary guest with us, Gina Mundy. Now Gina is an attorney, but not just any attorney. She's one who specializes in childbirth cases, providing invaluable insights that go beyond the courtroom and into the delivery room. She's also a best-selling author of a groundbreaking book that shifts the narrative from reactive to proactive. Aimed at parents-to-be, her book is a guide on how to navigate the myriad of decisions during labour and delivery. You'll learn the jargon you absolutely need to know, tips for picking your healthcare team, and how to ensure your baby is doing well throughout the whole process. Gina, welcome to the show. Please share with our listeners what you do and what you are passionate about. Sure. Well, thank you, Jamie, for having me today on your podcast. I'm, uh, I'm very excited for our conversation. So I have been a childbirth attorney for over 20 years. So these are cases that involve the birth of a baby. And unfortunately, something, something happens. Something goes wrong, whether it's a mistake or a complication. And unfortunately, it results in baby not being born healthy. Um, that could be, you know, a permanent injury um, to the baby. Sometimes a baby may pass before childbirth or may pass right after childbirth. And in some very sad cases that I've had, um, mom, moms have passed away. So my job then as the attorney in the cases is to look at the care that mom received during labor and delivery and find out what went wrong and why and what and probably the most important question what decisions needed to be made for baby to be born healthy or mom you know mom to be around you know to raise her kid so those questions have uh, taken me across the united states more than once uh, just going to different hospital systems and meeting with the doctors and nurses, pretty, pretty much everyone on the delivery team, just hashing out every aspect of labor and delivery, trying to, you know, what happened, why, and uh, there's a lot, probably a lot more to what I do, but that's probably a good overview. So I took that experience, and in June of this year, June 2023, I published a book called A uh, Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. So the goal of the book is to is to help parents prepare for childbirth, to make sure these mistakes and complications that I have seen for over 20 years don't happen during the birth of their baby so we can make sure they have a healthy baby. So basically, instead of getting involved only in the aftermath of something going wrong, I'm now getting involved before childbirth 
in hopes of, you know, preventing, preventing this from happening. Uh, because I'll tell you, when something happens that's, you know, especially a preventable mistake, it, the families are never the same. It's, you know, to lose a child to to something like that. I don't know. I've talked to, um, you know, I have to talk to the families and go through that, that day with them. And it's, it's definitely, as a mom and as a human, probably one of the, no, it's not probably, it is the hardest part of my job. So hopefully, um, you know, if I can even, if I can just even prevent one, one mistake or anything that it would be worth all of the time and effort because it's just very difficult on the families. Yeah. And that's certainly what we'll unpack here, but um, it's quite inspiring, you know, having your, you know, years of attorney experience, you know, kind of on that reactive side of uh, the law and, and childbirth. Now using all that experience and your knowledge to, you know, publish this book which is uh, which will be a lifesaver it's very proactive and parents should be on that proactive side of uh, labor so let, i'll go back a step what inspired you to get into that part of law <laughs> yeah i stumbled on it i was going to be a real estate attorney okay and they don't they don't teach you about baby law or you know birth you know childbirth cases in law school so basically, I just got out of law school and I stumbled on it. I just needed a first job. <laughs> and it was right, it was February 2003. And I got my first case. And I, that was it. You know, I was, um, I was newly married. Um, having kids was on my radar. So when I'm like, whoa, things don't always turn out hunky dory. You know, and then I get into this field and I just started learning so much. And I just, you know, almost like I was like obsessed with the medicine and I just wanted to learn and I would read and study and, uh, you know, just engage with these healthcare professionals trying to, you know, hash out, hash out these cases. So it's, uh, yeah, and they take years. So when I'm saying traveling the country, you know, a, a typical case and in my courts and the courts around here about two years. So this is, you know, each case is about, you know, sometimes up to two years of my life. Yeah. So. And, and two years of the family's life, you know, that's, uh, they've got to, I mean, they'll carry this with them forever. This, uh, you know, the complication, whether it was the, the, the child passed or whether it's a something else, some other complication, but it's a, uh, particularly if it's preventable. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. What are some of the more common mistakes perhaps that you've seen during labor and delivery uh, and maybe how can parents proactively prevent those so in my book that's chapter 11 so i wrote a chapter the top 10 most common issues or facts in a legal baby case these are reoccurring issues that every parent needs to know before they go into childbirth so number one Pitocin. Pitocin is a drug that induces mom's labor. So it does that by making mom contract. By making mom contract, that jump starts her labor. Um, when Pitocin, when I get a case in, almost all cases, the first thing I read, mom is being induced with Pitocin. So that's important that families understand um, that when there are mistakes or complications, most of the time it's when Pitocin is being used and with Pitocin being used more and more frequently in labors these days, it's important for families to know how to have a safe 
induction. Because listen, Pitocin scares a baby lawyer like me, but it doesn't scare the doctors and it doesn't scare the nurses. And they may, they may recommend it. And if they do, let me tell you, there's certain things that you have to know. So chapter 14 of my, my book goes through how to have, you know, a safe Pitocin induction. Um, another common one is uh, a busy labor and delivery unit. So remember, hospitals, like a labor and delivery unit, they're not scheduled. So for instance, if you go to a surgery center, you got to get surgery at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. You know, this, the, the hospital is equipped for everybody to get their surgeries at their scheduled time. Childbirth is different. Babies come when babies want to come. And I know around here, there are more busier months that babies come in May, June, and July. And late mornings are super busy. So, um, but when there's a busy labor and delivery unit, you have a delivery team that's running hard and they're thin and they can't just sit at your bedside and make sure your Pitocin induction is going okay. So it's that that's a big one. And that is more like another reason you need to prepare for childbirth because if you roll in and it's really, really busy, you have to know or the people you're with, your husband, your your mom or your friend or whoever, they have to have an idea, like be ready for childbirth. So maybe you can work with your delivery team, alert them if something is wrong or off. Um, in the book I talk about at this section, you know, busy labor and delivery units, like you're probably the number two most common fact in a case. And, um, but I gave an example and it's just heartbreaking. Um, it was a super busy unit in this case. Um, Mom went in, uh, they, they started the heart rate, the fetal monitor. So the, to explain fetal monitor real quick. So your baby is inside you. So it's not, doctors have to use, you know, almost like the heart rate to see how baby's doing. So where, you know, you can look, a doctor can look at a mom and say, ooh, you don't look great. What's wrong? You're swollen or, you know, and then you communicate and you have a discussion and he can do a diagnosis. Baby's different. Baby's inside you and we can't look inside. I mean, there's an ultrasound that's very limiting. Um, so the one way that they, that tells the doctor how baby's doing is the baby's heart rate. Anyway, so on that busy labor and delivery unit, they put the, they started the baby's heart rate and it was kind of concerning. Um, but the doctor who was in a rush, she rushes in, you know, they are, you know, they, they're reassured enough to leave mom. So you know what, if you think your baby's going to be fine, the heart rate's going, uh, we're off. And, you know, they're off to the next patient trying to make their rounds going fast. And, <clears throat> and when the delivery team was gone, the baby's heart rate stopped graphing. And when the delivery team came back, they're like, oh, we got to hook you back up to the fetal monitor to see the baby's heart rate, to see how the baby's doing. They couldn't find it. And they brought in the ultrasound and they confirmed that on the labor and delivery unit, the baby passed away. Had the family known the importance of the baby's heart rate, especially when there's a concern like that, that monitor should have been on. And yes, and here's the deal. The delivery team, if they would have known, if that monitor was on, or I'm sorry, when that monitor went off, if the family would have gotten the delivery team who could have then picked up that baby was in trouble, they would have been on it. But if they don't know, they don't, they don't know. And they didn't. So, you know, 
when you have a busy unit like that, it's important that you you are you have some knowledge so you can kind of work with your delivery team to make sure that something like that doesn't happen. Um, and then the other common fact, so there's 10, but I'll, I'll just give you three because I like this one that was, you know, this was like an aha moment because, um, you know, you're staring at these cases, like what is in common with all of these? And some of them are easy, Pitocin, easy, but this one that I picked up on, so um, mistakes and complications, typically almost all the time occur after mom's water breaks. So baby is nice and comfy, surrounded by the fluid that they've been in for nine months. Everything's great. Boom, water breaks and baby's environment's changed. And that can make baby a little bit more vulnerable to something happening. So once that water breaks, it's very, very important to you know, make sure, you know, baby's heart rate's being monitored. Um, and that helps, you know, again, detect if baby's getting into any kind of trouble. And listen, I can look at a baby's heart rate and I can tell you if the baby is a rock star or I can tell you if baby's struggling. So, and it's not hard. I don't know, you know, the medical community seems like, you know, this should be left to the professionals. Well, I'm a non-medical person and I've been able to read a baby's heart rate from the minute I looked at it. It's it's very easy. There's just some basics that if you know, and listen, you don't have to be perfect at reading it. You just have to know what's important about it. So again, if your delivery team's out of the room and something happens, you can always, you can be alert them You or you can have a discussion with them. Or if the delivery team says, hey, the baby's heart rate keeps dropping with contractions, which means usually baby's struggling, then you guys can move forward and try to make some, you know, decisions together. Yeah, those, that's... Are, yeah, those are probably the top, the top three. But, you know, this is information that, you know, there's. Uh, I was on a podcast earlier today and he's like, why is this information just surfacing now? And I'm like, you know, I just don't think a childbirth attorney ever thought to write a book on childbirth, it, you know, and it was just one of those things where um, something had happened in my family. It's actually the introduction to the book. And all of a sudden this idea came and, you know, but yeah, so this is an information you're going to get in a typical, you know, pregnancy book or anything like that. But this is definitely information that parents need to know so they can make those good decisions. Because in a lot of these cases, these families are only one decision or mere minutes from a healthy baby. So the importance of decision making during childbirth, I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. Yeah, decision making and knowledge to it to a degree too. You talked about the uh, the fetal monitor. And, and you've kind of touched on this, but I've, I do have a question here I want to, want to touch on. It's a nice uh, segue. Is, is how can parents monitor the well-being of their baby during labor? So apart from listening for heart rate, um, are there any other signs or indicators that we should be aware of? Because it's really, uh, I don't know, volatile is the right word, but there's so many emotions, so many things and beeps and bongs going on. There's fear, anxiety, excitement, joy, pain, and that's just dad. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what what are some of the signs or, or that, that, you know, both mum, dad, or mum partner can look for during that labor if the medical team is out of the room. So, I mean, it, it really is the baby's heart rate. Okay. Um, and in my book too, I also go over, um, there's three different types of machines that can monitor the baby's heart rate. 
And sometimes when the wrong machine is being used, um, it's not good. So making sure you have, you know, the most accurate way to monitor your baby's heart rate, especially if, you know, maybe there's any concerns about the baby, that's probably the biggest thing. And again, that's all covered in the book. But baby, um, you know, fetal movement is huge. Um, sometimes when babies are struggling, they stop moving. So, um, almost like they're conserving their oxygen or something. That's, that's, that's what my experts always say. They're, they're conserving their oxygen. So they, they may not move. Um, so, you know, you want to make sure, you know, baby's moving and whatnot. And, um, I know in, I'm trying to think of things that parents, but I'm telling you, the baby moving um, and fetal monitoring, it's really it. I mean, it's, okay. and that's why childbirth, you know, I traveled the country, but these, every, all the doctors have different opinions on childbirth. No one ever agrees. So it's, you know, because, because baby is not, you know, baby's inside you. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, they're really forming opinions based upon their knowledge and experience and whatnot. So, yeah, it's, um, I, I'll have two different doctors, two different OBGYNs who deliver babies, look at a case, and one doctor will literally tell me everything was done perfectly, and another doctor will tell me everything was done wrong. So, you know, so it's, you know, and, and these doctors also have the benefit of hindsight if it's, you know, if it's a baby case. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm, you know what, it really, it's, the baby moving and its heart rate is just the best way. Yeah, good. So be informed, ask questions, and, and understand that. Like I, I'm guilty as, as a father in a maternity ward um, with the birth of my own children, I wouldn't have known what the heart rate monitor was telling me. And because, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of leave that to the domain of the experts, the medical professionals. And, and I love your view of saying, well, no, as a parent, you can and you should know this stuff and you should be aware of it because it, it's something that can potentially prevent uh, disaster. So what advice would you give to a parent now if they feel their concerns aren't being adequately addressed by the delivery team? You know, like I raise a concern and maybe I get dismissed or maybe it's inefficiency or maybe it's a patronizing remark. But, you know, what, what advice would you give to a parent in that situation? There's a couple of things. So, um, okay, your delivery team, keep in mind, is responsible for bringing your baby safely into the world. Okay. In the cases, it's the delivery team's care that is at issue and analyzed more than any other aspect of the case. So keeping that in mind, you want the dream team. And if you have a team that was a bad apple, or even in my book, I call it, you know, Bush League, if you give a really bad, like bunch of, <laughs> you got more than one team member who's not good you got to say something. So if they're not, if they're dismissive and you don't like them and you are not comfortable, then my book actually then tells you, you know, what to do. For instance, your doctor, if your doctor's not part of the problem, which I hope after nine months you would know if your doctor was a good doctor or not. But you got to remember, you, you, the, your doctor is in a position to drop everything and come to the hospital to deliver the baby. So if you're not comfortable or you're being ignored or whatnot, you need to get your doctor on the phone and, you know, talk to them about it. But another um, avenue too is that hospitals typically have a nurse that's in charge, the charge nurse, and um, the charge nurse can step in too and help you. Um, in the book, um, so there was like a delivery, you know, 
there was, well, back up. In the book, I talk about a scenario. There was a case where there were two nurses. One nurse had 20 years experience, and she was literally born to be a labor and delivery nurse. She was awesome. The other nurse that day at the hospital um, had just finished training and figured out she hated labor and delivery and was about to quit her job. So that day when the patients walked in, it was luck of the draw. Who got the experienced nurse and who got the unexperienced nurse who hated her job? So listen, here's the deal. Most, like like the the great nurse and the other nurses know that this new nurse in training is not a good nurse, but they can't do anything. It's usually a hospital system. They don't hire and fire. They just go to work. So if you say something, they can step in and help you, but they can't just stick their head in your door, you know, in the door of your room and say, hey, your nurse sucks. Let me know if you need a new one. They can't do that. So you have to say something and they'll, they most likely already know because it's a big hot think about it. You have a big institution with a bunch of, they don't do the hiring and the firing. They're just there trying to work their, you know, work their shift. And you got to remember people on your delivery team are typically the people that are scheduled to work that day. So again, it's luck of the draw because, you know, babies come when they want to come. So, um, but that's the delivery team. And if you don't like them, um, what to do? I feel like there was another part to that question. <laughs> or maybe I got it all. No, I'm pretty sure you covered that. So in your book, uh, Gina, you talk about labor and delivery lingo and uh, that, you know, parents need to know this lingo. So can you give me an example? Like I'm a, I'm a dad that's out of touch. My my youngest is 16 years of age. So uh, what lingo should uh, parents be aware of and, you know, why is it critical to know? So, yeah, no, that's a great question. So basically all of the childbirth facts that I rely on as an attorney um, and reviewing these cases, analyzing these cases, I put what I need to know um, or what I do know as chapter two of the book that goes through your labor lingo and whatnot. But it, listen, if you know these terms and you know how this stuff works, you're going to speak the language of the, you know, your delivery team. They're going to be able to communicate with you more effectively. It's going to be streamlined communication. Um, and it helps you make better decisions, but a labor link. Okay. So in the book, and I, and I keep reading this in reviews, which I, you know, to me, it's very second nature, but most people don't understand that when you, when a mom has a contraction, it squeezes the baby and it basically stops the oxygen to the baby. And listen, babies are made to handle contractions. This is completely normal. However, you know, you get a drug like Pitocin and that makes mom contract and, you know, they're turning it up really fast. And now mom just keeps contracting a lot. That's just baby going no oxygen, no oxygen, you know. So, you know, in labor, in the um, section, we're like, okay, contractions, yes, they're not only hard on mom, but they're also hard on baby. So if you want to know if baby is tolerating your their contractions, especially if you're on Pitocin, because that's really when it becomes an issue because it's, you know, they're like artificial contractions, right? It's not just a natural, it's not your body naturally contracting. Um, but you, so in that chapter, you, you would learn, okay, to see if baby's handling a contraction, you look at their heart rate and if their heart rate, so when the contraction goes up, 
and that squeeze that means the baby's being squeezed, the oxygen stopping. And if their heart rate keeps dropping when that happens, baby is not doing like baby's not handling the contractions and they can be very subtle and then it could kind of grow and grow and grow. So that's important for parents to know that would be something you could go, you know, or if your delivery team comes in, you guys can have a little discussion about the, um, you know, the heart rate and what's going on. Does the Pitocin need to be turned down? Why, you know, you don't just keep letting this happen. Do they take action and either they change the plan or maybe they modify it. But that one is huge. You know, another thing I always liked is one of the first things I learned is the umbilical cord and the placenta are the baby's lifeline. So those are huge. So if that cord becomes compressed, it's just like a hose. So, you know, you got to, so during labor, it's very important that, you know, the placenta stays intact. It's attached to the uterus, um, you know, just stuff like that. But just understanding the importance of the umbilical cord, you know, and even the placenta is, you know, is, that's what's giving the baby life. And that becomes super important during the birthing process because that can be tough on babies. And that means the placenta and the umbilical cord can be affected. So it's just, you know, it's, it's stuff that like, I know. So this isn't the basics. This isn't the labor and delivery lingo you're going to go read in another book. This is, this is what the childbirth attorney knows. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a proactive view, but it's a wonderfully different view and a fresh view that parents should should all be aware of. So, are there interesting question? Are there any rights that parents have in the delivery room that they might need to be aware of? So, mom's the decision maker. Like the okay. the delivery team, they're technically advisors, like medical advisors. They're advising mom what to do, but mom's the decision maker. They're not doing pitocin, C section, IV turning my, they have to have consent for everything. So basically they make recommendations and mom ultimately makes the decisions. So if you had, so, you know, I'll tell someone that and they'll be like, oh, well, our doctor came in and said we had to have a, you know, a C-section. And I'm like, well, they were technically recommending a C-section. They can't make you have a C-section. Um, you know, but that's a, you know, big, big factor in there. And, uh, so, you know, that's why then sometimes when you get to the hospital or maybe during labor, you know, they may give you a couple different options, um, you know, and they may recommend one over the other. But again, it's mom's choice. So it's, you know, that's that's really that's one thing I don't think um, that many moms know. <laughs> I, to me, it's very simple because that's what I do. Right. That's yeah. uh but yeah, no, they're the decision maker. They that's their body, that's their baby. Um now obviously most patients listen to their doctors, but um yeah, that's that's probably the main thing. Yeah, yeah. So so what are some of the let's talk law for a minute. What are some of the legal implications that parents should consider if things go wrong during childbirth? Oh, and something happens to baby or mom. Yeah. 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 Like so, yeah, I mean, you would probably, unfortunately, want to, you know, I, you want to find out. You'd have to reach out to a childbirth, you know, attorney or attorney specializing in these childbirth cases to find out, you know, was something done wrong? I mean, you know, and listen, I've had cases where, you know, the, the bad outcome, but it's, you know, they didn't do anything. So it's, you know, nature will take its course too. Um, but if there's something that was bad, like a preventable mistake, 
um, maybe, you know, something went wrong with the Pitocin, um, then that's something that, you know, you can seek an attorney and an attorney should be able to look, an experienced attorney like me, I can look at a case and tell you if it was good or bad care. It's not, he doesn't have to, um, I don't need a doctor to tell me that. Actually, I retained a doctor and I'm like, I already know your opinions. <laughs> like, because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't talk for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I'm, it's fine. I already know what you're going to say. So we'll just don't, don't rush. We'll, uh, we'll talk <laughs> when we can. I already know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> like, they, they, don't, they get irritated with me, but I'm like, eh, I've been working with you guys a long time. I know. And since we do have a lot of the same issues, I already know, I already know how they're going to respond. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, let's uh, we'll change change lanes for a minute. Can you talk about the role of fathers or partners during the labor and delivery? You know, what can they do to be an effective support system? Oh yeah, that's a great question. You're just you're just filled with great questions. Um, I try. So I try. <laughs> so that's that might be that'd be chapter seven. So chapter seven, basically, it's having a baby advocate. So as mom, you are going to be mentally and physically focusing on delivering baby. You staring at a baby's heart rate, unless you're like a childbirth attorney, you're, it's not happening. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to want to be in your moment, concentrating, you know, just working through your contractions. So it's really, really important that you do have a baby advocate. And that could be, that could be dad easily. Um, so what chapter seven does is it goes over the role of a baby advocate. And then at the end, I'm like, okay, this is the five things. I don't want to overwhelm the new baby advocate, but this is five things that they need to know so they can advocate for baby and you and be that second set of eyes again, which is very important because the delivery team just doesn't stand at your bedside. So them knowing certain information is huge. And then also... Let's say, oh, and you know, this was the other part of the question for the delivery team. Let's say um, you don't like somebody on your delivery team. Well, you're in labor. So you know what? Make your husband handle it. Make Call if your mom's there. Mom, you know, grand, soon-to-be grandmas are the best baby advocates. They are, wow, they're on it. And, uh, and you know, those, those expecting grandmas love my book, by the way. So I feel sometimes I'm getting more expecting grandmas uh, than expecting patients because the grandmas, and you know what? It makes sense because my daughters are 19 and 15, and I wrote this book for really my daughters so to make sure I have healthy grandkids. So it doesn't actually, you know, it shouldn't surprise me that the expecting grandmas are reading it because really, I mean, that's that's why I wrote it. Um, so, Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so as we round off our podcast today, like I've asked a lot and you've certainly given a lot of valuable information and I know our listeners got a lot of value from, but is there something maybe I should have asked or something that you want to share with our listeners that's really important that I perhaps haven't covered off here today? And I know there's a lot, probably a really broad question, but is there you know, a, a takeaway or something you want to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, there's a couple other good things. So listen, your doctor is super important. And sometimes when you, you're newly pregnant and you're like, oh, you're thinking of pregnancy. But listen, the grand finale is childbirth. So it's really important that when you pick your doctor, you're thinking of childbirth because you have to have a good doctor because they're, the, they're, they're, they're heading your team. So that is huge. So I have analyzed doctors who deliver babies 
for over 20 years. I mean, it's almost creepy. So, uh, but I, that's my job, right? I have to analyze the doctors, analyze their opinions. How are they going to perform in front of a jury? Who, you know, every, you name it. I've had to just, every, every doctor undergoes a pretty big analysis. So I took a lot of what I've learned from that. And I wrote a chapter on how to pick a good doctor. Um, and then I have like 20 questions that you have to ask your doctor or you should know just to make sure that you and your doctor, you guys are going to be a good fit. So that is super, super, super important. Um, and then another thing, um, chapter one, I, we had talked about that's the lessons. So these are the lessons from the cases from the families, doctors, delivery teams, but if you understand the lessons in chapter one, that is so important. It's going to give you an idea of every subject that is really important that you need to know about. So what I did is I, that is on my website for free. You can download it. You don't even have to give me your email. You know, I know a lot of times it's like, Oh, go to my website. Oh, you got to give me your email. Just, it is so important. And so that that's there. And then, you know, that's, that is free for all parents to read, share, do do what you need to do, just so you, that definitely will give you a great starting point. And then with the chapters, again, it's just a lot of information in this book that you're just not going to find anywhere else. Um, I'm going through, having a plan is huge. Um, and listen, it's not because you're going to sit and stare at your plan and the middle of childbirth. It's more of the preparation and preparing for the for it. So you're ready to pivot if you have to. You're pondering possible decisions in case you have to make one. And you're doing it in the comfort of your own home where you can make, make a phone call. You can call somebody. Um, you can do some research. Um, but it, it kind of gets you, you, you going, um, you know, the planning process. And, you know, I... Two, like just preparing for child is so important. It's not, you know, everybody wants to decorate the nursery, buy cute clothes, you know, and I'm like, no, prepare for childbirth. <laughs> so, but just, just the act of putting that plan together and starting to think through different processes um, is absolutely huge. And then we went through, yeah, Baby Advocate, Chapter 11, um, C-sections. Most cases end in a C-section. Um, you really want to have an idea of C-sections, um, and especially if in a lot of these cases during labor, mom will be offered the option of a C-section. Um, and so that's a huge decision. And I give examples of, you know, three, three completely different cases where, you know, mom didn't, she didn't want her C-section and then something happened. And then another one, mom didn't want the C-section, but the baby's fine. So, and then the doctor recommended and pushed for, in another case, you know, there was the option of a C-section, but she pushed for a natural delivery. That person picked C-section and the doctor ended up thanking her for having a C-section because if she wouldn't have, it could have been very, very bad for the baby. So, you know, it's just a, it's a really big decision. Um, so just understanding what that entails, I, you know, it's just huge. 
Um, but yeah, the book is just, I mean, I could just go and go and go, but I won't, but definitely, um, again, just heading back to the lessons that I, you know, I laid out and just that, that will just, it's a 20 minute read and I read slow. So most people can probably read it in 15. So you can check it out and, um, yeah, no, my website, GinaMundy.com, by the way. I don't know if I said that, but that will definitely just point everybody in the right direction. Perfect. And there's, that's the free resource on the website. I'll put a link in the show notes so parents can find that. And uh, in terms of getting your book, can they get that through the website? Is it Amazon? Like, how do we get a hold of the book? And what, sorry, oh, give, give yeah, us the t- so, title, um, t- title of the book as well. Yeah, so the book's called A Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. And if you go on my website, ginamundy.com, G-I-N-A-M-U-N-D-Y.com, there's a link to Amazon, and then you can just buy it on Amazon. But another really good thing on my um, website is a childbirth blog that I've started because obviously, you know, once you publish a book, you're like, oh, I should have included that. Oh, I should have included that. So instead, now I'm like blogging on it. I'm like, okay, parents need to know this. You know, how could I leave this out? Um, so it's almost like a continuation of my blog. And it's, you know, it's like a blog. I'm like kind of writing it to my kids. Like, hey, I'm excited to meet my future grandkids one day. Here's the blog I started for you. So, but it has, you know, for instance, the, the article I just posted yesterday is, um, and they're just short, but it's like, not in my labors, said the childbirth attorney. And, you know, it was a sad case. I was talking to an expert and kind of sparring with the expert a little bit. You're like, mm, I don't think anything that bad, you know, whatever I was saying. And then he's like, well, Gina, would you allow this to happen in your labor? I'm like, no, that would never happen in my labor, you know, because of what I know. And it just, it is what it is. So, you know, having the expecting moms kind of adopt that philosophy of not in my labor and, you know, and it's not to be confrontational, but it tells you like, you know, why it's important to be able to say that and to be able to say that you need to prepare and know what you're talking about. Otherwise there's, you know, that statement's kind of meaningless. Um, And then it goes like the other one was how to make good decisions during pregnancy and childbirth. Um, and how to talk through those with your doctor. I really should have had that in the book. Um, I don't know why I, I didn't. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny. That was pre-written. And, you know, just the end of a book with publishing and taking in and out. And I was like, oh, man, this is so good. Um, you know, and it's literally, I yeah, I, I may, I don't know, I may try to sneak that in the book somewhere. But right now it's on my website under my childbirth blog, how to make, Literally, how to things just how to make good decisions during pregnancy and childbirth. So anyway, so that is another um, just resource, and then there's some other stuff on there. And as time goes on, I want to just keep adding some great resources for parents. Again, just to help them um, um, help make sure that they have their uh, their nice healthy healthy baby. Um, and then you can go to Amazon also and get the book. Um, you can put my name in the search bar, Gina Mundy. Except that I'm I've done that a couple times, and I'm. I think I think the other pregnancy books are on to me because I put in Gina Mundy and their books pop up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you may have to scroll down. So just so you know. Wonderful. Okay, Gina Mundy, M-U-N-D-Y.com. Uh, check it out. We'll put links in the show notes as well. 
Um, one more question before we go, uh, just a lighthearted way to finish off the uh, podcast, as we do with all our guests, is we have a, a very simple question. Gina, if we had a time machine and you could travel back to your, say, your 12-year-old self, what's one piece of advice that you would give to young Gina? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I just would not have hesitated with my dreams. I've always been like a dreamer, you know, and it's, I'm following them more now um, than I than I had earlier in my life. Um, you know, I think just the route I took, but just going for it. You know, if that's something I keep dreaming about and I and I have figured out that a lot of the things my dream, you know, that I've dreamt of or wanted to do where my goals are, my gosh, I want to do this. Like as I'm aging, I'm almost 48. So as I'm aging, a lot of them, those goals and dreams are my goals and dreams because they're happening. So and I'm like and when they happen, I'm like, oh, I should have done this like 10 years ago, you know, so but um you know, I think they're your goals and your dreams because that's your path. It's just, you know, make it happen earlier the better so you can enjoy it. So go for it. That's great advice, Gina. Thank you so much for your time and generosity today. I know uh, our listeners will get a lot from this uh, information on the podcast today, as I did, um, and uh, I'm sure they'll uh, search out your book as well. Thanks again for your time, and uh, I hope we cross paths again soon. Thanks, Gina. Uh, thank you, Jamie, for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Cheers. If you enjoyed the show, please connect with Jamie on LinkedIn or Instagram. You'll find links in the podcast description. Parenting in the Digital Age is sponsored by Skill Samurai, coding and STEM academy for kids. Skill Samurai offers after-school coding classes and holiday programs to help kids thrive academically and socially while preparing them for the careers of the future. Visit skillsamurai.com.au.